From the Tulsa world, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Oklahoma suffers the first loss this season, a 38-33 setback at Kansas. Hello, Eric and Mason here, wrapping up everything that happened today. On a crazy football day that included a weather delay, included uh, Oklahoma scoring 21 answered points, and then just not getting the stop it needed on defense and not getting the score it needed or basically the first down it needed on offense. This was a tough day for Oklahoma. This is one that's going to be hard to absorb. Right. So much happened in this game that you just think like, man, if it simply goes the other way, uh, you know, things might have ended up very different in in the bigger picture. I think the thing that sticks out the most is Danny Stutzman injury. You know, he, he got hurt right before halftime, uh, defending a play in the end zone, broke it up, collided with Desan McCullough and uh, went down holding his leg and went to the injury tent, was trying to jog it off, tried to come back in and play the start of the third quarter, but couldn't. And, you know, Kip Lewis did a really nice job filling in for him, but I just think whether, you know, Brent Venables wants to, you know, stake it all in that or not, uh, not having the heart and soul of your team on and off the field, on the field uh, during the second half of a game like that, that was crucial. I, I feel like their communication probably lapsed at times. I think a spot where they especially could have used them was that play that Brent Venables talked about where they gave up a 37-yard catch on fourth and six, and he, was, he didn't want to call timeout because – Kansas might, you know, draw up absolute backbreaker of a play, but you know, if Danny Stutzman's in there on that play, like he's probably got, he's lightning quick with the calls. He's probably got him in and they're ready to defend that play. And you just look at stuff like that and you're like, man, they had Danny Stutzman in there on that play. Things could have ended up a lot different in this game. So much bad in this game, but there was some good Oklahoma scored 21 unanswered points to to overcome a 14, nothing deficit. Uh, Tawi Walker comes back from a one-game suspension for 146 rushing yards. Uh, big game for Tawi. And you mentioned Kip Lewis. I thought he had a good game filling in for Stutzman. But when we talk about the good, there was so much bad and so many self-inflicted wounds that really killed Oklahoma. Everything from a pick six from Dylan Gabriel to an assistant coach unnamed. Brent Venables didn't tell us who it was, but... During uh, one of Kansas' touchdown drives, they had a 15-yard penalty on a coach for barking at an official. Brent said it wasn't him, so no clue who it was, but that cost the team 15 yards on top of a personal foul penalty and then a targeting penalty on Reggie Pearson on that drive. So it was just a just a lot of self-inflicted wounds that really, really hurt the Sooners. And, uh, you know, you got to play good football, especially on the road. You can't have those mistakes, and that's what we saw today. Right. I think the final penalty tally was 11 penalties for 101 yards. I mean, that's like, heck, that's that's more yards than OU's been able to rush for some games this season. Like, it just yeah, you can't you can't give up that much uh, in, in self-inflicted. Like you said, uh, I, I just it, it just feels so weird because. I feel like at other times of the season, we saw this team playing really disciplined and, and doing everything that they were supposed to do the right way. And then it just went completely out the window today. You know, they were all over the place. You think about uh, Jaron Koenig, you know, with some, he had the taunting last week and then some missed tackles today. You know, he gets replaced by Kobe McKenzie. We saw a lot more Reggie Pearson today. I hadn't, hadn't really seen him in a while. Um, like, it just... It, 
there was just a lot of a different stuff, whether it was they were moving personnel around or uh, whatever it was. But it was like, man, this is they just haven't looked this clueless isn't the right word for it, but they just haven't been this unsound the entire season. And one of the plays that'll, you know, probably go relatively unremembered from this game, but was also kind of an insane play in that kind of like, what are you doing vein was the kickoff that they muffed. Yeah. I mean, just like, I don't like, why was Marcus stripling anywhere near that ball? Uh, I very confused by that. You know, Jalil Farouk had a fumble uh, at some point in the game that cost them. Uh, I mean, just penalties, turnovers, whatever. Uh, they just found a way to shoot themselves in the foot. You mentioned Jalil Farouk, too. I mean, and I asked Jeff Lubby out of this. You know, you're looking at a wide receiver that fumbled the ball out of a running back position. They handed the ball up up the middle to him. He ran in traffic, got hit, hard hit, probably not a hit he's used to, fumbled the ball. Um, Jeff Lebby mentioned that it was something that they've talked about, uh, you know, taking care of the ball in traffic. And But it's not something – I don't fault Jalil Farouk for that. That's just not something he's used to running in traffic. I mean, in, in the running back situation, Tommy Walker had 120 rushing yards at that point because that fumble happened late in the third quarter. I just don't think that, you know, it, it, you had Tommy Walker running hot uh, why don't you keep going to him? I was really surprised with that. There was a lot of questionable calls by Jeff Levy, and he admitted after the game that he probably could have done better. He said, well, I'm not talking to you after a loss if I did better. But the uh, conservative play, okay, Oklahoma had the lead and uh, had the ball inside the the Kansas 40. And all they had to do was get a first down to win the game. That's all they needed. And they go minus one, minus one, five-yard gain, punt. They ran the ball three times. I just think the conservativeness hurt them. One first bound wins the game, and then you turn around, Kansas takes that ball, and they they kick it in the end zone. Kansas goes 80 yards for a touchdown, including that big play. When Britt Venables, to his credit, he took a lot of blame with fourth down. It was fourth and six from the 46, and he said he should have called timeout. He said, I should have called timeout, got my defense reset and everything like that, but he didn't because Kansas was out of timeouts. He thought that they'd be out of sorts a little bit. And then Kansas hits Oklahoma with a long pass, uh, really a 37-yard pass to the nine-yard line. Mason, I thought this was interesting, too, because Oklahoma, next play, uh, I, they let Kansas score. I mean, they let them score so they get the ball back. I think Brent Venables, that goes against everything Brent Venables does. You're talking about a defensive-oriented coach from the nine-yard line. He told his defense, let them score. And Kansas scored, so Oklahoma had a chance to catch up in the in the in the last part, the last 50, 47 seconds, but didn't work out for the Sooners. Yeah, what's really funny is Kansas running back Devin Neal was like in absolute agony in the end zone. He's like, "Man, I can't believe I scored with 55 seconds left." <laughs> he was trying to go down at the one and just couldn't make himself do it. I think the other thing from this game, you talked about the success that Toby Walker had in uh, going away from him. You know, when he had the hot hand, like, why? Why did Jeff Levy do that? But we also have to factor in, right, that Tawi Walker got hurt in the second half, that he was not 100%. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's another that's another kind of, like, real what if of, like, if Tawi Walker plays the entire game healthy and keeps running the way he was running, especially in the second quarter when they averaged, like, six and a half yards per carry, like if he if he plays the entirety of the game, you know, in some of those situations you were talking about where it's like just get a first down, just get a first down, you know, they probably run the ball 
a lot more effectively and, and put themselves in you know better situations uh, on those key downs. You know, they're not having to, you know, just mix it up. And Jeff's just like all over the place in the calls. It's, you know, feed Tawi like he did in the second quarter. And, you know, they, they you could tell that they really paid for it in the, the final number. The fourth entire game up until the fourth quarter, five and a half yards per carry. Fourth quarter, 2.3. Like, yeah. run game just evaporated once he got hurt. And, you know, I obviously he said afterward, he's like, he's going to get treatment tomorrow. And, some kind of leg ankle thing and you know he should be fine moving forward he was really good for them on a day where you know marcus major wasn't available and obviously javante barnes has been hobbled played some but has been hobbled since big 12 play gavin sawchuck's been up and down of course tommy walker was really good don't think they're going to be missing him for a long time but you kind of as you look back at this game you think about the what if of man what would have happened if he's healthy the entire game and also if Jeff Levy hadn't gone away from him so much when he was hot. You're looking at Oklahoma, too, who uh, struggled throwing the football. You know, Dylan Gabriel Gabriel only threw the ball 19 times. That's the lowest amount that he's thrown at Oklahoma since he arrived, not playing a full game. Only 19 passes. I know Jeff Levy talked afterwards in the postgame press conference, said that he wished he would have opened it up a little more, aired it out a little more. I, I really think that uh, Dylan Gabriel should have threw the ball more. I thought it was interesting when we were talking to Dylan Gabriel, he was asked, I think by George Stoya about throwing the ball only 19 times. And he paused before answering and saying we were running the ball well. So that pause though, made me wonder if Dylan probably wishes they threw the ball a little more. Uh, granted, it was a cold, rainy day today. A lot of wind too, coming out of the North too. So they were facing the elements, but um I thought it was interesting, too. On a side note, they really tried to make a concert, concerted effort to get the ball to Jalil Farouk uh, early on. They, they they found a ways to get the ball in his hands, and they, they were trying to almost force feed him to make plays, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it just wasn't working against this Kansas defense. Yeah, another game where they just, you know, really didn't get vertical. I was surprised at the lack of uh, Nick Anderson's uh you know, didn't really do a whole lot. I know he had one catch for like 18 yards that moved the chains late in the game, but that was only his second game or second catch of the game. You know, he wasn't his usual self today. And I think part of that is, you know, what you mentioned, they weren't throwing it as much. Um, and I guess Brennan Thompson is ju- just only catching 50 yarders. I guess that's, the, <laughs> I guess that's the job description at this point is, you know, they need a chunk play. Oh, it's just, Chuck it up. Brennan's probably down there around there somewhere. And, you know, he did get that and gave him a chance, you know, to shoot for the for the end zone at the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel like I'm, I'm 100% with you. And it sounds like maybe Dylan was even hinting at it. Like, yeah, it, you know, I understand the cold and the rain and stuff like that. But there were points where it let up that, you know, you probably could have gone to the air a little bit more. And what does that really speak to more broadly? I think the whole thing that we saw like the entirety of the day and that we saw the entirety of the season is this offense still just doesn't really have an identity. Like they just down to down, drive to drive. They don't really know what they want to do. There just really has not been any consistency. It's like, oh, we're running the ball good today. Sure as heck not going to throw it. Oh, we can't run the ball today. Well, let's throw it like thirty times. Uh, it just 
It's it's just been so peculiar this season, the inability to create balance with this offense. And so that's, you know, something in this stretch run as they try to, you know, still get into the Big 12 championship game, maybe on a really, really outside shot, really, really outside shot, force themselves back into the CFP conversation. That's something that Jeff Levy is going to have to figure out because they, they can't keep doing this Jekyll and Hyde of one drive, we're going to run all over you, and then the next drive, we're going to throw it three straight times and go three and out. You know, you mentioned Brandon Thompson, one catch for 39 yards. That was an important catch because it allowed Oklahoma to throw the ball in the end zone twice. But that was the only pass play more than 20 yards. I mean, you have Dylan Gabriel, who has been a Heisman candidate all season long. And uh, it, it's really surprising that they didn't open it up a little more. Bill, Jeff Levy mentioned that, too, in the postgame press conference, that he said that he wishes he would air it out a little more, especially on in the fourth quarter threw the ball a little more, uh, especially with Tawi Walker out when he went out too. We had Javante Barnes, who I don't know if he's 100% or not. I mean, he's a gamer for playing today. But um, Oklahoma just didn't have any vertical shots, which is really surprising, especially given you have who was considered a Heisman candidate in Dylan Gabriel, who won games against Texas and really against UCF with the way he moved the football. You only threw him 19 times. He was 14 and 19 for 171 yards. Yeah, the other thing that, I mean, obviously, you know, he got some of the the short yardage plays, but Dylan wasn't as explosive in the QB run game today. Like, I, I don't know if they didn't have that blocked up correctly or what it was. I think that I think the the crazy thing is the offensive line, um, especially given how they ran the ball right, offensive line might have played its best game of the season. You know, they got McCade Matoyer back from the injury. He didn't play last week. He was really, really good. Tommy Walker said that made a big impact on them being able to run the ball, having him back. And that was even with, you know, rotating a bunch of guys, you know, Jacob Sexton, uh, Caden Green, Troy Everett, Savion Bird all got in at some point in this game. And, you know, yet they still were able to run the ball effectively. So, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, that's a promising turn uh, as you look at it. You try to find some positives for this one is, you know, maybe they've got that figured out and maybe this is, you know, a running performance that they can take and carry with them. But, yeah, I mean, it's still pretty perplexing that with a guy like Dylan Gabriel and the talent you have a wide receiver, how little you threw the ball. And it obviously, you know, probably affected the outcome in some ways. A good sign for the Sooners was Javante Barnes coming back on the field. He had carried five times for 17 yards. He was someone I really didn't know if he was coming back this season, but he went out there, and especially in the fourth quarter when the Sooners were down to Walker, they put Javante Barnes in there for some key plays. Um, moving forward, I think that's big for the running backs room. Marcus Major out of out of this game, so I think it was important to get some running, uh, some running back depth. I think that was big for the Sooners, too. Dylan Gabriel did rush for 64 yards. I mean, that quarterback run game can be important for the Sooners. So I think that was big as well. Um, but, yeah, I think I was interested in talk Jeff Levy, especially he said that, you know, he did mention that it was, you know, we wouldn't be talking about all these questions if it wasn't for the loss. Uh, what goes on from here? I mean, how does Jeff Levy fix this stuff? I mean, Oklahoma did run for 269 yards, which is a big number for the Sooners, but yet they get a loss. That was really surprising. 
I think with four games left, we're two-thirds of the season gone. I don't know if this offense really has an identity yet. Yeah, it's like the question you want to be able to answer this after this is like, where do they go from here? Right. And and obviously, you know, broadly speaking, the path is, OK, yeah, you want to win out and try to get to the Big 12 championship game. And then, you know, maybe you do that. If you beat Texas a second time in the Big 12 championship game, then, you know, you kind of maybe some things happen around you in other conferences and maybe you kind of force the committee's hand. But uh, from like a game game to game perspective, like I'm just kind of spaced out. Like I don't, I, I don't know what you can do to fix this. I don't understand. I don't understand how you just all of a sudden figured out how to run for 260 yards, but now you can't throw the ball. Like that's, so that's that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> well, Oklahoma's two-thirds of the season done. They have just a big emotional rivalry game at Oklahoma State on Saturday. This is a game the buildup was going to be great because it's the last bedlam. The buildup was going to be great because the first college football playoff rankings came are coming out on Tuesday. Oklahoma was going to be a major factor in that until this loss. It's like one of those things where it doesn't really matter now where they are at because now they can they can't control their own destiny. I mean they they can't control they can only control the controllables, and that's what Brent Venables said in the post game press conference. Everything is still out in front of them. That's true. A Big Twelve title still out in front of them, but man, that loss against Kansas it really took away a lot of the team goals this season, which is disappointing for Sooner Nation who was getting excited seven and zero. They hadn't been eight and zero. I think they were only eight and zero once in the last eighteen years. They had a chance to do something that hasn't been done in quite some time and just couldn't do it in Lawrence. KU, in fact, won for the first time since nineteen ninety seven. It's been forever. Mason, were you born in ninety seven? That's my question. <laughs> Mason just nodding and said no. So yeah. I wasn't born I wasn't born the last time OU won a national champion. <laughs> Don't say that. You're making you're making me feel bad. You're aging me now. Uh, so, but but that's that's where we're at now too. So Oklahoma has a very important job at just kind of resetting its goals, resetting the final four games. There are two thirds of the season go uh, ahead of them. They still can get to the Big Twelve title game. Just went out. That's the big thing. And, but it starts with a big rivalry game on Saturday. One hundred percent. It's going to be fascinating to see what the last bedlam is like. Obviously, this is you know, setting up to be a better contest than I think we might have initially thought a few weeks ago with the recent success and resurgence that Oklahoma State has had going against now one loss OU. Maybe that kind of flattens the expectation a little bit uh, now that OU is not undefeated, but it should still be, you know, a pretty highly anticipated game nonetheless uh, with it being the last bedlam and whatnot. I think to your point of the college football playoff rankings coming out this week, I would not be surprised if we saw Texas ranked higher than Oklahoma in this initial. I think the national media loves Texas. And now that OU has lost, they will be very quick to slide the Longhorns back up the board. But I would say one thing as we're sitting here talking about everything that went wrong and lamenting, you know, how this, you know, a team that you thought maybe was going to have a real shot at the college football playoff now is, is more likely than not going to be on the outside looking in, barring some, some movement around them. Do keep in perspective just how far this team has come since last year. I mean, six and seven to a seven and oh start, pretty remarkable turnaround. You have to give Brent Venables credit for 
recruiting for the transfer portal, the the guys that they've gotten as transfers that have helped them out tremendously. Things things are definitely looking up right now being 7-1 as opposed to, you know, last year at this point, uh, they were going into Bedlam still not bowl eligible and needing that game to become bowl eligible, needing to win that. So, but, you know, there's a lot still left on the table, right? Uh, a big a big thing going into the season was how much is Brent Venables going to improve in terms of game management, you know, having his his team in the positions to succeed. And, you know, we saw today there's still some points of improvement to be made there with on Kansas' last drive. You know, he could have called the timeout, decided not to. And, you know, that's something obviously now having looked back at it that he regrets. Uh, you know, not wanting Kansas to drop a great play in the moment is circumvented by, okay, well, maybe I should have done it to have my guys ready to defend that play. So there's still, there's still, you know, learning going on in Norman. This, this thing is, you know, probably and whole, I guess I would say for Sooner Nation's sake, hopefully not where it can still be. There's still, there's still ground to be gained and you got, you just got to kind of take the progress so far and stride. You know, it's funny too, because I think this is important for Oklahoma. They got to consider that everything is out in front of them as well too. I think that's, that's the most important thing. I know it's a it's a tough plane trip back to Norman after this loss. I know this, uh, Brent Venables in this post game press conference, man, he looked just just somber. I mean, it was just amazing because I think he realizes that everything was out in front of them, and this loss really challenges as a team. But it'd be really interesting to see how they respond to this loss. I mean, they haven't had to respond to a loss all season. Last year, this is different from last year. Like you mentioned, you can't lose sight of a six and seven season to a seven and one season. That's so important because this team is having success. And uh, I think we're going to see how this team responds to adversity within Stillwater. And that's going to be a tough game. It's going to be an emotional game uh, playing their in state rival for the first time, or for, I'm sorry, excuse me, for what may be the final time for we don't know how long. So I think this is going to be a big game. OSU fans are going to be up for this game. It's going to be crazy. We thought that this atmosphere was wild for Oklahoma fans or for Oklahoma. There's going to be a ton of fans at Stillwater just dying to beat Oklahoma one last time. So I really think how they respond is so important, and we'll find out what this team is made of in Saturday's game at OSU. We still don't have a, a game time yet. I assume we'll get one tonight or first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, I really thought it was going to be an 11 a.m. game, a prime time, or, or like a you know, featured game, but we don't know yet. There's no telling when this game will be, so I'm kind of curious. So one last thing, uh, Mason, before we go, just what do you think about this team? Where do you think this team – how do you think this team will respond? Yeah, you know, I mean, I expect them to respond pretty well. <laughs> you think about it, <laughs> going into the season, we all kind of saw either this or BYU as like the quote-unquote trap game, right? And it ended up being that. And so now, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this team goes on a tear, you know, moving forward is really motivated by this loss. I mean, feels like we've seen this one before. We saw it in... 2017 with OU with Baker Mayfield. We saw it in 2019 with OU with Jalen Hurts. We even saw it in 2018 with OU with Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, there these are teams that you know lost 
obviously OU is further in the, into the season than when those teams lost, but these are teams that, you know, lost around the middle of their season and just kept their head down and worked and, and won out and things fell into place around them for them to still make the college football playoff. Is it overly optimistic to think that OU as you know, let's say they run the table and they're a one loss team. Is it overly optimistic to think that they can get there? You know, potentially there's, there's going to be again, a lot that has to happen around them to make it possible. But again, just knowing that you've seen it before uh, just kind of makes you wonder if it might just happen again. <laughs> we never know. I mean, every, every year is different and we don't know what's going to happen ahead of this. So you never know. I mean, Oklahoma just has considered to go on one and each week. That's the, that's what we hear from the team all the time. Go one and oh. So, all right. Well, Jesse, uh, Jesse, I just typed in Jesse's num- uh, name on a podcast. I'm sorry, Mason. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Of course, we'll have a, a midweek podcast talking about everything Brent Venable said about this game and we'll have player interviews in the middle, the middle of the week as well. So we appreciate you listening, everything, Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. And also we'll have print print product, the print product as well, and everything online too. I know we have a big Bedlam double truck story, which is two pages inside going in Sunday's newspaper, looking at the future of Bedlam too, and just talking about memories of Bedlam, some of the biggest Bedlam games. I know our colleague, Dean Rule, did a really good job on the the history of Bedlam as well too. So it's going to be a big week. I'm looking forward to this week. So Mason, great having you on. We'll move forward on this. 7-1 Oklahoma will face Oklahoma State on Saturday. Uh, thank you for listening. Please uh, continue to read our stuff on dulcelworld.com as well as uh, subscribe to this podcast. We'll keep going. Appreciate it. Everyone out there, have a good week.